I'm back, baby. Oh, my double crap. Do you know who I am? No, but maybe if you hum a few bars. Yes, sir, random kid I just met. You know, this man's forgotten more about pain than you'll ever remember. About pain. About forgetting about. It's Jake C. Lee. I am the low rating that cancels your program. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. Don't be jealous because I'm attractive. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you're serious. Let me laugh even harder. It's time to check the link. I like that. I didn't do anything wrong because I can't do anything wrong. Hooray! People are paying attention to me. It's all in sports. Game on, everyone. It is All In Sports with Jake Seeley, as always. Follow me at All In Kid and stick with me for a few minutes because I have some information, a good amount of information for you today. A lot of things to tell you about. Still have the contest, so go to iTunes, give it a five-star review, subscribe, rate, review, all the other places too as well. Take the screenshot and save it. I'm going to collect all those, hopefully over the course of just a few short days, make it a little bit easier on myself. So do that. Signed mini football helmet of the Saints by Michael Thomas, one of my favorite wide receivers. So go do that. Included with that also is go over to Patreon, sign up for those special episodes that we're going to have every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You get the black book for baseball and football from Joe Pizzapia. You get your discount on the shirt. Chris Meany is involved. There's going to be do either a chat or something as well. So you can go support us there. Very simple. It's patreon.com front slash all in sports. Speaking of URLs, if you want to go to The Athletic and check out my stuff and check the link, you can also get 30% off if you go to, very simple, theathletic.com front slash all in sports. See how we do all of that? And the last thing is you will see me tonight, well, maybe yesterday, depending on whenever you listen to this. I will be on the Pat Mayo Show as always, but I will be wearing one of the Band Kickers t-shirts. I have them in, and it's actually, I'm so glad I switched to this material and this brand because it's one of the super soft, really nice t-shirts. Very well done, by the way. So I'm surprised I can afford to give them to you at this price. It's like, so 15, like I said, is the price. Plus the shipping, 20 bucks total. 20 bucks total, I have band kickers, and I also ordered a whole bunch of new Check the Link shirts. So I will officially start taking orders on those so I can ship those out to you. Very simple, email me. It's Jay Seeley. I hope you know how to spell my last name, but it's C-I-E-L-Y. So Jay Seeley at theathletic.com. Very simple, send me an email. I just need your address and what size and color. I have navy blue and gray of the band kickers. I have navy blue gray and red of the check the link if you need a specific size let me know that might take preference over the size or over the, wait wait so if you need the size yeah that takes preference over the color because i only have certain amounts of each i hopefully got that right and you understood all that so if you want a shirt let me know i'll find out and hopefully get you one and send it out today's guest super excited I want to get to him. We're going to be doing that. I also have something else about that whole contest that we'll be doing. It's, going to, it's happening. So just make sure you're saving those screenshots coming next week. But let's dive into today. I finally have, and I say finally because I don't know why he hasn't been on All in Sports yet. One of my favorite in the business, despite the fact we have never hung out in person yet. But he is Bob Harris. He is the person I call the godfather of fantasy sports. I am so glad he's available today to join me on the show of Football Diars. Bob. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, uh, just to be fair, I haven't been on because you haven't asked yet. But no, I- <laughs> in your defense, nobody likes to ask me during the season because everyone knows the schedule is a little harsh for everybody. So everybody's kind of, you know, cautious in their approaches. But, you know, I love you. And I, wouldn't, I would have been very hurt had you not invited me on <laughs> at some point, even if it caused me all kinds of trouble to come on. Even well, if I had to adjust my entire weekly schedule to clear this time. No, no, no. See, see, so that's why. So, by the way, follow at Football Die Hard. It's very simple. But I, you know, I actually expected like 50-50 shot that it was just going to be got so much going on. How about the offseason? Uh, you know, it, your, your flexibility was very helpful in this, in this <laughs> pursuit. Which I'm glad we texted before this because I thought you were West Coast. Because t- what, what are you, Arizona? You just you don't time change or something like that? Yeah, I'm in New Mexico, and we actually do time change. Arizona does not time change, but I'm in New Mexico, so I'm like even more east, easterly towards you. Oh, so. see, I thought you were in Arizona with all the rest of the, nah. like the mans and the nah, nah. Well, as soon as mans came, what was the point of staying? <laughs> you had to get the hell out of there? 
right. Let's talk some fantasy and football in general. Uh, I think the biggest news, well, there's two huge pieces of news from yesterday, but one kind of trickled into effect and was already starting to happen. But the biggest news that happened specifically yesterday was the Browns cleaned most of their house. They, they got rid of, finally, two of the biggest problems in Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley, which is funny, Bob, and I'm bringing this up only because I want to get your opinion from the football side first, as I brought this up about two weeks ago. And it was a show with myself, Joe Pizapia, and Benny Ricciardi, and I said, this is, exact, this is exactly what I said they needed to do. I said, they need to get rid of Hugh Jackson. I said, but they can't stop there. This is similar to the Arizona Cardinals. They need to get rid of Haley, too. If you look at Haley – for what he's been given over the past, I'd say, five to ten years, you can even argue what the timeline specifically is, I think he should have done more with some of the talent he's had before this, and I think he's been very – I don't want to say – is this innovative, like non-innovative? Like there's a good word for it, but like McCoy where he's kind of like run his course. But they kind of argued and told me that was crazy because you can't get rid of that much in the middle of the season – and I said, well, you have Greg Williams in the head coaching position. And they said, yeah, but how – like, so were you surprised that they got rid of two pieces like this in the middle of a football season? And what do we realistically expect for Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb? Like, what do we really think this can do for the offense? Uh, you know, first of all, more surprised on Hugh that it didn't happen during the offseason. Not necessarily surprised on Haley. I guess this means that Snoop Dogg can go back to the dissing – of, of Haley doesn't no longer has to be a fan. I mean, he's gone back and forth. Uh, I, his views on the Steelers version was, you know, was fairly accurate at times. Um, look, for starters, I mean, the switch to Greg Williams, I mean, going from crazier to craziest, I don't know, that's that. <laughs> that. Um, Freddie Kitchens, interesting choice for offensive coordinator. He'll keep, you, he'll keep the playbook that Todd Haley put in, give a little continuity to Baker Mayfield. Who, who seemed to be kind of, you know, at least supportive of the offense to some degree. And maybe, you know, we were hearing that he wasn't a big fan of you. And if you watched Hard Knocks, a lot of it, a lot of what is playing out now was pretty apparent, you know, throughout Hard Knocks. I thought it was interesting that Freddie Kitchen was kind of the, uh, you know, if you watched the one episode where they were at odds about, you know, guys being on the practice field, Haley and Jackson, Kitchens was kind of the middleman, the, the tried to be the moderator, the, the buffer between the two, and, you know, maybe that's his role. But keeping the same offense makes sense, and I, I think it's a status quo thing from a fantasy perspective. You, you, uh, you know, you're, you weren't playing Baker Mayfield anyway. I mean, maybe you were streaming him. I don't think that changes if that's how you were approaching it. You're still playing Jarvis Landry. You're still going to play Nick Chubb based on anticipated volume if you're playing him. I mean, you're not looking for running back one production every week, but it's within the realm of possibility for him. <clears throat> given the you know the hope for workload uh so come down to duke johnson well i think duke johnson is is pretty much unplayable and has been unplayable right and david which is Jones, baffling because well, you, you know last year it was third in receiving yards for running backs the year before that he was fifth over 506 like i i don't understand this I, like help me bob you are uh, i like you know i like um basically duke johnson's taking all of this he's been more baffled than any of us they just paid him a ton of money over the off season um and, and maybe part of the plan going forward they'll find an offensive coordinator who can make better use of him you know you look at some of the teams where they have the viable tandems at running back and the way they're using them in innovative ways the saints the bears at this point although you know, we could argue Jordan Howard's affecting this. We'll talk about that. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, there are teams that are able to use two backs. Hell, even John Gruden can figure out how to use two running backs, you know. So, I, it is surprising that they aren't using them, and maybe that'll change to a degree. But to the degree that fantasy owners need, no. I think, you, I think you're playing Landry and you're playing Chubb, and everything else is a crapshoot, including David Njoku. Uh, yeah, well, was Duke Johnson's was that hush money? Was that like, hey, you did yes. just well, shut up on the bench? <laughs> Whether that's what the money was for or not, he has been effectively silenced this season. <laughs> All right, so let me ask you this: If let's let's put, kind of paint a scenario for everybody out there, because his ownership's at an all-time low, giving right. us use. If Duke Johnson's sitting out there in your half point or PPR league, do you go scoop him back up just on the case that like? things wake up or because to your point Kitches has said going to use very similar playbook which again that was part of the reason that was kind of part of the argument against firing Todd Haley because 
he can't really switch up playbooks right. that much in the middle of the season. So does that concern you where you're like, you know what, I'll let somebody else deal with that problem. I'd rather just go take a flyer on a boomer bust type of guy. Uh, I'd, I'd probably be the latter, but I mean, look, he's a, not an unreasonable speculative play given past production. So if you have a spot on your bench that's never making your starting lineup and maybe was a speculative play that hasn't been playing out, I'm talking to you, Rashad Penny, or Ronald Jones, or any number of rookie running backs, uh, you know, yeah, you know, churn that thing, rotate it around, find a guy maybe with an, you know, I mean, there's change and, and change often, you know, on the sidelines can lead to change on the field. We don't think it will. I'm not banking on it, but certainly it's within the, the realm of possibility. You know, there's something to be said here for guys who come in on an interim basis looking to keep jobs on a permanent basis. They might be willing to try some things the other guy wasn't. So, I mean, just based on that alone and what, you know, but additionally, as you mentioned, the, the history the, of, of high-end production, uh, so, yeah, I think he is a reasonable speculative play, and there's a lot of guys that we could be moving on from at this point as well. So, so I'm not against that. All right. So the other big news was we had the benching of Jameis Winston during the games, and then yesterday we get the announcement that he is not starting for Week 9. Ryan Fitzpatrick is back under center for Week 9. Obviously, you, know, you weren't around for the podcast yesterday, but I'm going to say the same thing I did yesterday and then get your take on it. I said the Winston benching, I could somewhat understand. Like maybe it's the Blake Bortles, you send a message. But that's where I said if you are looking to the future and Winston still has any potential of being your quarterback, that's what you need to do. You need to send the message. He needs to be back under center week nine. If you're making this move, you're telling me it's done. Winston is done. He's not stepping back on the field. Unless Fitzpatrick gets hurt, Winston is not at quarterback ever again for the rest of the year because what a lot of people probably also don't realize, Bob, but I know you know this, is if Winston gets hurt, his next year's option kicks in. So this is telling me right. Fitzpatrick is the quarterback for the rest of the season for the Buccaneers. I think you're misreading the situation, young Seeley. Really? Uh, I think this is all about one thing, preserving Dirk Cutter's job. And whoever at any given moment offers the best chance of preserving Dirk Cutter's job is going to be under center. And that means the guy not currently throwing interceptions. And as soon as Ryan Fitzpatrick throws three interceptions, four interceptions in a game, don't be surprised if they wheel out Winston again. Look, I get so I'm the, giving him too much credit then because I think that's an asinine move to make. Well, of course it's an asinine move to make in terms of a strategy. But where is this team going this year? I mean, oh, you know, should be going for a draft pick. Right. Well, this is, you know, to me, this is about preserving a job. <clears throat> you know, and look, there's something to be said, you know, for in the locker room. I mean, you've got to keep guys bought in. And one of the ways you keep them bought in is by giving them the best chance to win every week. I suspect there are a number of receivers on this team that think Ryan Fitzpatrick does this. And look, go back to that Chicago game. Was Fitzpatrick so terrible that he had to be benched in that game? I mean, was he the real issue in that game? Or was it just a convenient excuse to, hey, Winston's back. We need to get him in. Uh, well, so he, that, that's my point is if, you're, if this is real and you're evaluating the future and you're really looking at, you know, what you want to do here, then you have to say we, we bench Winston, period. That's it. We can't risk him getting hurt and having it locked in. Or he is our potential quarterback of the future, and we sent our message, but he's back starting week nine. Week to week, baby. That's where we're at. And, and That's just so stupid, though. It is stupid, but it's where we're at. I mean, Dirk Cutter said as much. I mean, he said this is, you know, this week. I mean, you know, I do, I do think this is about trying to get wins, to reserve a job, to regroup and figure it out going forward. I don't know if that's a good strategy for the Bucks. My guess is I'm with you. It's probably not a good idea. Um, but they're not, in, you know, they're not so invested. I mean, if let's say Winston makes it through this year without getting hurt, I mean, they're off the hook. They can release him after this year without without any, you know, real punishment other than, you know, I mean, look, they're, they're ready to move on if they need be. They need to get some wins. That's what they're focused on. All right. Well, fair enough. So let's talk about from the fantasy aspect of things. Where are you? Obviously, we can make assumptions as of today. So 
we've had this kind of rotating week by week scenario of is it Chris Godwin or Deshaun Jackson? And Godwin is starting to take over the snap count, but then Deshaun Jackson, who might be traded because he's unhappy, ends up having what he does is he catches a big pass for a touchdown because that's Deshaun Jackson still out snapped by Chris Godwin. But we also have what we've seen from the use before is Fitzpatrick was throwing for some big plays, was finding Chris Godwin for touchdowns. So I don't know, is it just stock up everywhere like it was before, or is there one you're going to lean to? I guess I feel like at least from what I get from my followers and people in chats and stuff like that, is it feels like people are always chasing those two receivers and you're usually picking the wrong one. Yeah. I think that's, that's been my experience. Right. I mean, and maybe it maybe it works a little more. I mean, we saw a little more run for Jackson with Fitzpatrick at quarterback. But I don't know how much of that was, you know, in terms of play calling. Maybe they called plays. Todd Munkin was pretty aggressive with Fitzpatrick. Maybe the fact that Jameis Winston is uh, has prone to interceptions has changed that. I mean, you know, he's got I mean, this is the interception thing is not new for him. Right. I mean, he has no. multiple interceptions in 16 career games. That ties him with Blake. Well, I mean, this goes back to college. I mean, coming right. out of college, yeah. it's like, like this guy's vision of decision-making is very poor, people. So is it possible that the play calling gets more aggressive with Fitzpatrick? Yes. Is it possible that works in Deshaun Jackson's favor? Also, yes. So that might be the direction I lean is, is that ex- explanation. I think it's a little not as great news for the tight ends who, you know, I mean, comes right – Jameis Winston came right in and seemed to be, you know, in locked laser focus on first Cameron Braid and O.J. Howard as well. And, and this week's matchup is a great one. You know, the Panthers have not been really impressive against uh, opposing tight ends um, this season. So, you know, is that a concern for people who are streaming Braid or playing Howard? It is a little bit to me because maybe they go a, a little bit deeper and – and those guys aren't as big a part of the game plans. But, but I think in general, expect a more aggressive approach. And as long as Fitzpatrick's on the field, I like what I'm going to get from Evans and Jackson, maybe a little less from Godwin, Howard, and Bray. And as long as Fitzpatrick's on the field is going to be something we're not going to know in advance, right? It's going to be, a, <laughs> right. It's going to be an every game thing in my estimation. You know, if well, if, heck, if we're going back to if we're going back to what you said, I mean, we don't know if Winston might pop up in mid-game. It's exactly that's my point. It's going to be difficult to bank on either of these guys going forward. Is my issue, and that's you know, look, if you're streaming quarterbacks, uh, you know, in DFS, I mean, you know, I'm willing to take some chances on on Fitzpatrick. Either the price the price probably won't be adjusted really well this week, and right, and I'm going to be all in. So. Um, you know, in some lineups for sure. So, but that is going to be the risk that, that if he, you know, gets off to a slow start, uh, throws a couple picks, there's a turnover too, then, then it's going to be an issue. I think. No, I got the real contrarian lineup for you, Bobby. You remember what was the site? There was, um, now nah, I guess I'm having a brain fart. There was one fantasy site that if quarterbacks weren't starting, they were always priced in the hundreds. <laughs> so I was gonna say your real, contra- real contrarian lineup was go just start Winston for like 300 bucks. Right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> hey, if he comes into the game, I mean, what you can load up at every other percent. All right, so we'll move on from this with just a random question. Over under games, Fitzpatrick plays until we see Winston. A 1.7. <laughs> so the end of the Redskins game, that's what you're telling me? <laughs> Honestly, the, the Redskins might be a tough one for him. They, they're, they're a little bit more that's, You know what? I was looking at that game, and I immediately said my mind. I came to my mind, and I said, the way that the Redskins play defense, especially right. as slow as they do, as aggressive as they can be, uh, we saw last, and not that Eli Manning's a great testament. No, exactly the, my point. The turnovers. Is, so, all right. Speaking of those Redskins, see how I did that there? If you yeah. look at this, uh, everybody knows yesterday, so I'm not going to go into my whole tirade of Adrian Peterson, but the situation was looked amazing. Not really surprising against the Giants, especially when you get rid of Harrison. But right. here's the question. We know last year Adrian Peterson was, he touches the ball 20 times, you bench him the next week. Right. We saw that happen at the beginning of this season. But then we also saw, you know what happened before the Giants game? was he had about 25 touches, and he had a huge game. And it was the Giants' defense. But now we're kind of in this, what do you do? And this is why I'm asking you, because I told everybody what I would do yesterday. But if Bob Harris owns Adrian Peterson, and you're quality running back, so he was either 
you know, your RB2 bench, sometimes your flex. Like, you don't have to start him. But you have Adrian Peterson facing the Falcons and the Buccaneers the next two weeks, despite coming off 25 touches. Uh, do you, how good do you feel about keeping him in your lineup? I feel fantastic. Sadly, I, I'm, I was of the opinion that the Adrian Peterson coming into Washington was the 1.5-yard-per-carry version we saw against New Orleans. Honestly, did it all, didn't we all? I, well, if we did, I don't know if there was any reason not to believe that because this had been like a two-year thing, right? I right. mean, it was, you know, you go back to 2016, it was 1.9 a carry. I mean, it, it just, he doesn't look like the same guy. And I, I can remember, you know, on his rebound from the ACL, <clears throat> you know, saying, planting my flag saying, I will no longer in the business of saying Adrian Peterson can't do anything. Well, that faded, you know, after last year. I'm, I was back in the business of saying, ah! He's just a guy. It turns out he is super once again. I'm not going to tug on that cape, um, especially with the games coming up, as you mentioned, Atlanta and Tampa Bay. Uh, I'm going to be playing the hell out of them if I had them. And sadly, I don't for the reasons probably you stated and I just stated. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is uh, you look at a schedule, Falcons and Buccaneers. I mean, there's no way you can bench them against those anyway. But Definitely not the Falcons. No, definitely not. So staying in that game on the other side of the ball, we have Saquon Barkley. And I, you know, I propose a question of like, are we concerned about Saquon Barkley to a degree? Because so obviously he's one of the five best running backs in all fantasy. And it's because of the receiving game. But that's where I bring this up. And it's not the fact of the Giants went semi-fire sale to trade deadline. I'm not concerned about the defense being as what they are. Because, hey, if anything, more offensive right. snaps, more aggressive, that's great. What my concern is, and I wouldn't say it's a giant one, but I want to bounce it off you, is if Kyle Laletta comes in at quarterback. And the reason I say that is because let's go to Jimmy Garoppolo last year. And what did Jimmy Garoppolo do to Carlos Hyde? Hello, he Carlos. Stopped, <laughs> yep, stopped throwing on the running back. We don't know what Laletta is going to do. We don't know if he can't throw well to the running back. We don't know if he doesn't like the check down. And granted, they use Barkley even more than that. They use him on arrow routes and wheels and stuff like that. I'm just saying, there is that concern where if you look at the game against the Redskins, you take the rushing yards for Barkley and the rushing production, it was miserable. The only thing that saved his day was what Barkley is. So if you own Barkley, do you consider selling high before Laletta steps in at a quarterback and all of a sudden it potentially goes downhill and he ends up – now, granted, Barkley will still probably be – a fringe RB1, but that's a big drop-off from being one of the five best you lock them in every single week running backs. Right, and, you know, you've highlighted the issue. The The production has come from the pack, from his receiving ability. That said, I mean, the big playability alone is probably enough to have me wanting to keep him. I mean, he is that guy that can make, you know, turn any play into a into the home run. Home run. So I'm probably not moving him, but I'm not going to uh, deny your point. If you're of a mind, if this was what you were thinking, yes, you're selling high. I mean, look, let's not lose sight of the fact that Barkley is on track to produce, outproduce that last year's Alvin Kamara, who was pretty much rookie of the year, right? So, right. I mean, you know, it's not like you've been suffering greatly with Eli Manning, who has been playing as poorly as any quarterback in the league right now. So, um, you know, I get your point. And Laletta, I mean, you know, he's a Look over the highlights on the YouTube. Ever, you know, every single one is a 75-yarder to DJ Chark. So, <laughs> so, I mean, it's not like he can't throw deep, and maybe Beckham benefits a little bit. Um, but I'm, I'm not ready to give up on – I'm not ready to let go of Barkley. And I tend not to let go of guys that are, you know, that are those big play explosive guys that can, you know, every time they get the ball in space that they're capable of, of scoring me big points. I just tend not to do that. But – you're right. If you're looking to get rid of them, this is the time. Well, not necessarily. All right. So here, let me give you a for instance. And good thing, because that always helps everybody. Let's say I came to you as the Barkley owner and I said, hey, Bob, uh, you know what? I got some extra pieces. How about I give you Joe Mixon and Tyler Lockett? I might be tempted in that case. I mean, that's a pretty reasonable, that's a pretty reasonable offer. Yeah, like a Joe Mixon and like a Brandon yeah. Cooks. Yeah, yeah, uh, something along those lines might get it done, especially if I had, you know, if I was a little bit hurting at wide receiver. You give me the running back who comes in and has the kind of workload I'm looking for, maybe even has some upside there, uh, because apparently the Bengals can't stop anyone. They're going to need to score a lot of points. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, that, that might work for me. 
Sure. Okay. So basically like a fringe RB1 and some help somewhere else. That's yeah. Yeah. A solid wide receiver too. You know, a guy producing at that level, it'd be kind of hard to overlook that. <laughs> I'm laughing because about what I'm about to ask you. How about if I said Joe Mixon and Wendell Smallwood? I would tell you to go take a flying, <laughs> uh, no, uh, probably not that. That probably wouldn't work for me. Yeah, because look, I, the waivers are bad this week for running back options. You know, this is what happens, especially now that we're heading into week nine. It's not like they're just going to be the bevy of them on your waiver wire. But at the top, at least right now, if you didn't pick up the Raiders running backs or you didn't, you know, there's a, it's Wendell Smallwood. And I say that with much chagrin because I don't want to be invested in this backfield. If any, hey, I don't know if you know this, Bob. Doug Peterson likes committees, and he doesn't right. go, go, the go get your Josh Adams shares now while they're still free. I actually had somebody ask me about that, if they should pick up Josh Adams over Smallwood and Corey Clement. I was like, did you see the snap count? It was like Wendell Smallwood at 50%. I know Josh, Josh Adams was 29 and Corey Clement was 21. Guess what? That's what he does. That's what Peterson loves right. to do. And, and you know that as soon as you decide that that's the order, that Corey Clement's going to be the guy getting the <laughs> – the big part portion, the bigger slice of the pie. Look, I mean, if I'm looking at this backfield objectively as a non-invested person, I'm going to say Corey Clement is the best all-around threat they have there. Maybe a little better. As <laughs> you know what? That just did. I'm sorry. To, I want you to jump back in, but the, you just put that song, The Best Around, in my head. You're He's welcome. the best around. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, but I mean, this is going to change any given week. And it's uh, anytime you have this kind of, and uh, you know, a hot hand kind of situation. Look, we, you know, when we look at, like you mentioned Oakland, I mean, look, Doug Martin's going to be the early down guy. Jalen Richard is going to have a role, right? And you kind of have a good feeling for what it is. I don't have that same feeling about the Eagles backfield. Cause I think any game that hot hand is going to take over and we might not see the other guys again. And so it's a bit of a concern for me, but, but you know, we're heading into Bimageddon one, the six, you know, I mean, those are coming. There's another six uh, team buy coming up in a couple of weeks and Philadelphia is going to be available for that one. And who knows what you might have to do to keep a lineup going. So uh, these are the things we deal with. I, I'm personally invested in Clement. Uh, that was all those investments were made early on. So I mean, I'm just kind of hanging on to him as an end of the bench guy. I should probably swap him out for Duke Johnson. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's I, if that's your choice, that's how but I he's rank that him. guy, right? He's that guy at the end of your bench that's hard to play any given week unless you're in a super bad pinch. Yeah, exactly. It's I don't trust it. I mean, but look, here's the top options in the waiver wire this week. It's like Wendell Smallwood, Duke Johnson, Devontae Booker for as long as Royce Freeman's out, Mike Davis, Elijah McGuire. I mean, that's what we're looking at right now. Right, McGuire would be the only one that I'd be maybe looking at as a guy that – because why? You know my theory, Jake. The optimism of the unknown. I don't know how bad he might suck yet. I haven't seen him <laughs> this year. He might come out gangbusters, you know, and there might be a significant role for him. I kind of have a pretty good feel for what the other guys are doing. So if I'm making a speculative play, it might be McGuire uh, just for that reason alone. Uh, and that's the thing is it's usually how I feel too, is I want the person who could potentially turn into, and like at every week player, potentially an RB2. Right. I don't want the guy where I'm just kind of like, I, I, I don't know if I ever told you this. And again, I, if I ever meet the guy, he's an awesome person. I don't want him to think like, you know, if he, I'm not that he's ever going to hear this, but I always called it the James Jones effect. And the reason I say that is because towards the end of his career, I used to use him as the example all the time. And it just kind of became a thing. I was like, when are you ever going to start James Jones? And he's not. You're going to have five points sitting on your bench every single week and five points and five points and five points. And who cares? <laughs> and so that's why I called it the James right. Jones effect. And I feel like all those guys you listed, with the exception of McGuire, only because we haven't seen him yet, are suffering from the Jones effect. Yeah, I, I think you're right. All right, so you alluded to it before, the Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen situation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Jordan Howard has got the volume, and he's been doing eh with the volume. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so you have that and that you have Tariq Cohen, who's just been terrific explosive. And actually that's what we're hoping for with Elijah Maguire. I mean, that's really what we're hoping he can sure. hit. So what are you doing with this? If you're Jordan Howard, because if I own Jordan Howard, I'm selling high right now because he's got the touchdown the week before he got the touchdown on a terrible rushing performance. Yes. Last week, I've almost said yesterday is what 22 carries 80 something yards or something like it wasn't right. even that good. I just, 
I'm getting away from this before it potentially goes worse because I don't know how much longer the Bears can continue to give him 20 carries a game. Right. I, I would tend to agree with that. And I was kind of a Howard backer going into the season. I mean, if you yeah, look back over the course of time <clears throat> at Andy Reid offenses, the feature back has played a pay, pretty major role, even, you know, to this season, you know, with the, you know, the shift in that Chiefs offense, you know, Kareem Hunt hasn't disappeared. And Jordan Howard kind of has, uh, you know, Matt Nagy's, you know, insistence to the contrary, notwithstanding, it hasn't been good. And so, but here's my problem with this offense in general. And it's something that, <clears throat> that I talked about, we mentioned Jeff Manns and it's something he said, you know, I was kindly saying, you know, I don't want to call this a gadget offense. And he jumped in and said, but it's a gadget offense. <laughs> really? It kind of is. I mean, between Tariq Cohen and Taylor Gabriel and some plays with Trey Burton, I mean, you know, they're, they're, and, and some big runs, you know, some athletic plays by Mitchell Trubisky. That's what this offense is based on. And so if you're investing, you invest in the pieces, the chess pieces that are being used in that way. And, and Cohen is one of them. Howard is not. That's just how it is, kids. Mm, that is definitely how it is. All right. So let's talk about the Seahawks. Mm. Here's yeah. the situation. An exciting offense. It is, but the weird part about it is Russell Wilson's touchdown ratio. Right. Is all, it's, it's like off the freaking charts. I mean, he's at the top of the league despite passing, what, 22 times a game? And the biggest thing was David Moore. It was like, oh, my God, you know, he's just getting touchdowns, but the snaps right. aren't there. So this is kind of a – I want to tie the two together. Is this – are we looking at a potential Atlanta Falcons from a couple of years ago where it's, hey, this touchdown efficiency can't sustain just because an offense just doesn't do that? And then the second part is David Moore finally did get the snaps last week. He was actually second on the team, I think one or two in front of Tyler Lockett. So now that he's back, or not, I shouldn't say back, now that he's in front and getting those snaps, are you buying into David Moore? Or also, and here's the third part, so this is going to be a very deep question for you, Bob. Are we concerned about David Moore? Because remember Calvin Ridley and all those touchdowns he was catching at the beginning of the session? So if people don't know this, 11 catches – or 11 targets, nine receptions, four touchdowns for David Moore. I mean, like, I, I think everybody knows those numbers don't hold up. Right. Well, let's unpack. Uh, first, you know, a gratuitous plug on the SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Channel on Tuesday, if you hear this today. I don't know. If you didn't hear it, it's on demand. I'll be talking to David Moore about all these touchdowns he's scoring and what the chances are he'll continue scoring them. Um, but beyond that, let's stipulate first that Russell Wilson is magic. He's not an actual human. He is some kind of uh, otherworldly creature who does amazing things on a regular basis. So uh, even at that, this is a little much to ask, right? And so here's here's what you know, just my view of this offense in general. I can I'm old enough to remember when we all laughed when Brian Schottenheimer was hired as the offensive coordinator, the most run heavy coordinator in the history of man, next to Brian Dable. Um, so. And look, that part of it's working. The offensive line's coming together. And there is a synergistic thing going on where when you're running the ball effectively, guess what? You throw the ball more effectively. It works well. It's kind of a time-tested thing in the NFL. It allows you to ask Andrew Luck, right? I mean, you start running the ball well, and, and the play-action passes work, and all kinds of things work. So I, it's going to be hard for, for – I mean, it, it was crazy efficiency, right? you know, yeah. the recent yeah. game. So expecting that to continue is, is a huge reach. Expecting Russell Wilson to continue playing well and throwing touchdowns with few interceptions, that's not a reach. That it should be the expectation, especially with a solid rushing attack. you got Chris Carson is, what, third time over 100 yards this past game. I mean, this looks like a re the real deal to me, and I think this offense is one of the ones on the one of the offenses on the rise as we head into this stretch, and one that I want to be invested in, whether it's Doug Baldwin, David Moore, or Tyler Lockett, maybe even Ed Dixon. And that's who I want to talk about next. Thank you for doing that. Is the Ed Dixon is? Hey, let's be real. The tight end in the Seahawks offense, you want them. I mean, really. That's, <laughs> According to Will Disley, they can be really good. Yeah, see, and that's the point. And they, people joked, and, you know, it's funny that this all comes full circle. And this isn't a self-backpack, but I think you'll understand this, Bob. So way back in, I want to say July, early August, uh, Salfino was on Twitter and was talking about the fact that there is no such thing as a sleeper anymore. And granted, he wasn't the first person to say this because we've been saying this for years, is that 
there's so much information out there and there's so many people like us out there that everybody ends up talking about everybody. And he goes, you want to talk about a real sleeper? Let's talk about Ed Dixon. And I said, that's so funny because just the day before I said the same thing. I said, people forget not the whole thing, but I was talking about Ed Dixon and a sleeper article that was really deep. And I was talking about the fact that, you know, if you look at Ed Dixon, he's got some receiving ability. If you look at what the Seahawks need, they had at that time, nobody knew who Will Disley was. I mean, there was nothing on this team and Nick Van Nett was kind of like, all right, it's Nick Van Nett, whatever. I said, yes, that's a real sleeper. And then obviously Ed Dixon missed the beginning of the season and now he's back. I put him in the waiver column last week, mentioning all these things and people like, whatever, it's Ed Dixon, it's uh, whatever. But, Look what happened. So, are you with me? Are you full? Are you all it? Are you jumping on this bandwagon? Because there's plenty of room, Bob. Ed Dixon, full steam ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, full steam ahead in this in this season. Yes. I mean, you know, my, exactly. my podcast partner Justin Lanero calls the tight end position this the sea of mediocrity, and and in that I sea, that, Ed that's generous. High, right? I mean, yeah. You know, whoever the Seattle uh, tight end of <clears throat> of record is is a pretty reasonable one. And it turns out that Schottenheimer does make use of the tight end and has all season long, especially when he's had a tight end that meets his needs. And and we saw it with Disley. We'll see a little bit of it with Bennett, and we'll see some with Dixon. And I think Dixon is the one of choice. All right, so Ed Dixon or C.J. Uzuma? Look, we might be getting too far in front of our skis on the Uzuma, maybe. Uh, last week's game was not. Uh, I probably oh, go. Good thing. I probably go with Uzuma. To be honest yeah. with you, uh, in this in this choice, I mean, you know, and maybe you get a benefit from last week's game uh, where he kind of disappeared with the expectations so high, and that people will be ready to bail on him, and he will be out in the out in that swimming in that sea of mediocrity, ready for you to rescue him. It, Uzuma still played sixty-four yes. the sixty-six snaps exactly. He was out there for the entire game. So, but this is what we're doing. You know, Ed Dixon's going to do the same thing for you. Is basically once you get past eight tight ends, I'm just right. the number off the top in that range. You're just I think it's four touchdowns. <laughs> you say four? <laughs> I think it's four. <laughs> I mean, how sad is it that Jordan Reed's been healthy all year and he's basically been useless? Uh, of 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 all these surprises, you know, to me, I, I I don't know which is more surprising. That he's still healthy, or that he's still healthy, and this is the numbers that we're at, or the numbers we're at. I mean, it's been bizarre. I mean, the guy went to all the trouble of having bones removed from his feet so he would stay healthy. At least you could do is throw him a couple bones, Alex Smith, the guy who's known for throwing to the tight end. I don't know. It's 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 been inexplicable. Um, in that in that regard, I mean, you know, finish finish the last game. What was it? It was a, it was a team high. It was what seven catches. But 38 yards. I mean, yeah. <laughs> try it out loud. This is not working for us. Thanks, Jeff Swaim. Like, <laughs> I, I, you know, as I reflect back on uh, on all my drafts, the 10,000 I was in, and how smug I felt as I was reeling in Jordan Reed with that 10th round pick, I'm wishing I had spent it otherwise. it's this truth I'm looking at the waivers that I mentioned this week and it's Dixon, Hayden Hurst, Vance McDonald Chris Herndon, Jeff Swaim like enjoy, have fun it's just I Chris hope Conley says Vance McDonald should be owned in 100% of all leagues. <laughs> At this point, I mean, he's been just as bad. He's been the roller coaster. <laughs> it is true. It's a, again, the sea of mediocrity is a real thing. Get your water rings out, folks. Hey, speaking of roller coasters, uh, see what I'm doing here? You know where I'm I've going next? I've been very next? helpful today. Uh, you have been. Uh, uh, is the ride over for John Brown? That's the question. I mean, no! Like, uh, thank no, you. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> okay, go ahead. No, uh, you know, John Brown has, uh, and I've, if you've been listening to my radio show, you've heard me say these very words. My love for John Brown knows no bounds. And your love should be, you should share in that love. Uh, look, we, John we Brown. I think it was you and me, man. It was, we were right. uh, locking I mean, step here. Right. Uh, you know, the thing is, he's healthy. And is he going to, is he going to be a big hit every game? No. But, you know, as a wide receiver three, uh, it's, you know, maybe wide receiver two even. I mean, there's a hell of a lot of upside there for a guy who on pretty much every single Sunday, every time he's on the field, he's the fastest guy on it. And right. if you watch him at times, I mean, he doesn't just get open. He just runs past people. And, you know, he has Joe Flacco's trust. I think that's a big thing in this equation because, you know, prior to last year, Joe Flacco was what, a 
deep ball thrower, right? He can still be that guy. He just needs to have some faith in his receivers. And I think he has a little faith in John Brown. And it's just not going to be an every week thing. Those things aren't going to click, those big plays. But I think more often than not, John Brown's going to come out on top of that Ravens receiving floor in terms of production on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, Mike Clay actually pointed out after the game that they put Dante Jackson on him for most of it. And Dante right. Jackson is one of the faster corners yeah. in the NFL. So, you know, these kind of things, that they happen. There was one last year, Scott Barrett did this whole article about Brandon Cook specifically and that when he faced guys who ran a 4-4 or slower, he had huge games when he get faced 4-4 or faster. He's got shut down, basically. So, you know, sometimes these are the things that we kind of got to dive into. Just a few quick things, and we'll get out of here for you so you can get rest of your business going. Hey, you know what? Quick sidebar. I'm asking everybody this week, Bob. Do you think, you know, maybe it takes the entire industry brainstorming on how to do it properly if you get half the points or whatever it might be, but do you think we need to look into points for pass interference uh, I don't know. You've already eliminated kickers from so many leagues. I don't know if I want you changing this. Whoa, hold on. This isn't me. This is a ton of people. <laughs> there. I'm bringing it I, up. I think it's a reasonable, I think it's a reasonable discussion to have. <clears throat> and, and, and look, as a fantasy player, I'm all for anything that gets me more points. I'm greedy like that. And I have absolutely no problem with uh, finding new ways to get me points when you're basically trying to rectify a situation where I should have received points anyway. Right. You know, like he gets tackled for 40 yards and you get 20, you get two points, maybe, maybe a quarter, you get one point, like just, you get something and just, so you're not completely blown. And then, you know, especially when we see it happen with like the, this, the really what started this, and I think it was about two or three weeks ago was the one where Odo Beckham got right. gang tackle it. Like, I think it was like the five. And then of course he doesn't come in, for, you know, they end up getting a touchdown another way. And it's like, not only did he lose that catch, he probably lost what could have been a touchdown. Right. And then maybe we should give extra points for when it's interference and they still make the catch. <laughs> draft Odo Beckham number one DeAndre Hopkins would be number one oh yeah next. him too the both of them <laughs> this past week both of them that was those were right. ridiculous catches all right two more things we'll get you out of here Marlon Mack and all I put was Marlon Mack wow and I'm gonna give you something I said about Marlon <clears throat> Mack coming out of college and obviously he's rectified this and if you watched it he has I said he's a very talented and explosive player when he was coming out of college I, said, I love his ability but the problem that Marlon Mack has is he tries to take every play for 20 yards, and then he starts dancing too much, and that's why he loses yards when sometimes, and I'm almost saying this verbatim, when sometimes a zero-yard play is good. Like, sometimes right. that's all you're going to get. Like, yeah. it's better than losing four dancing around. He's rectified that, and I don't know if it was his time off or maybe, like, fire lit under his butt, whatever it might be. But he's looked amazing the past two weeks. How high are you on Marlon Mack for the rest? I mean, will we put him in the Joe Mixon, like, inside the top 10 territory? Sure, as a, as a Max skeptic coming into the season, and part of this is based on his inability to stay on the field. I mean, I don't think anyone had, has any question what he's been capable of. Well, maybe some people did. But, I mean, he's clearly capable of doing the job. It's just can he do it over a sustained period of time? We haven't seen that yet. We have seen an amazing little run here, though. And I think, uh, who was it, uh, Tristan Cockcroft at ESPN throughout. He was the first Colts running back to score 25-plus points in PPR in consecutive games since Joe, Joe Adai did it in 2007 for the Colts. Wow. I mean, the Colts have been bereft, right? And so, and so, yeah, I think we're excited. I mean, for me, I don't have a lot of shares of him. Like, a lot of my best ball shares went to Naheem Hines or even Jordan Wilkins really late, and, and maybe I'll still get something out of that, you know, over the course of time. Uh, you know, it, it, it was, they, were so, they were so cheap, it really doesn't matter, right? They were basically lottery tickets. <clears throat> but Mac, I mean, I think if you invested in him, and I know a lot of people who have clung to him, Matt Deutsch, my program director is serious, is a total uh, Marlon Mack truther, has believed all along. And, uh, I mean, if you're that, you're getting the payoff. I think he can continue doing this. And here's the key to this. The Colts offensive line is getting good, like really good. And that's going to be a key factor. It's not like they're just kind of, oh, they're okay right now. They're good, and they're getting better every week. And, uh, and go check Brian Baldinger's timeline on the Twitter, and he's been pointing it out a fair amount as well. Um, these guys are playing really good, and that's, that's, that's the key, and it's going to be helpful for Andrew Luck as well. Um, but no one's going to benefit more than Marlon Mack. 
You know, they, the Colts used to have a quite a good. Like, you're running running backs out there like regular Edger and James, Adai, oh. Dominic Rhodes. I mean, they they had guys. Yeah. So, all right, last one. I'll get you out of here on this. How about that? I'm not done yet. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, you don't have to. I could give you a couple more. Actually, I do have two more. If you want to do both of them, if you have time, two I'll more. get both of them. Two more. Deal. Done. Carry on Johnson and the Lions. So, carry on Johnson. Similarly to Saquon Barkley, had his day saved by the receiving game. That's obviously concerning because what I've been continuing to say is Theo Riddick, once he's back, <clears throat> I'm, I'm off the carry on bandwagon. Like, sell high now. I know he's looked great. And at the same time, we can sit here and say, hopefully this opens Patricia's eyes. But how many times have we said this before? Hey, We've been doing this with Kenyon Drake for the last year now. Like, we can sit here and say, hopefully the coach sees what we see. Hopefully the coach starts using him more, and they go back and do exactly what they've always been doing. And if Kerryon Johnson's getting six or seven carries and only three receptions a game with the Oritics back, well, guess what? You have somebody just like we have with the Eagles backfield, and you don't want to be involved. Are you on the same page as me, or you actually think that things are changing? I don't know. You know, this, this whole situation, we, we've had New England as the Gordian knot of NFL backfields for so long, you know, and it, I think it just moved to Detroit when Matt Patricia left town, right? They're, they're going to carry on the tradition because the Patriots have kind of figured out their backfield, at least when Sony Michelle's healthy. And hell, when he's not, it's, it's Cordell Patterson and, <laughs> and nobody. Uh, so, you know, the Patriots finally seem to have it dialed in. You know what the funny thing is, Bob? Actually, in last week's waiver column, I, for, the, for the running backs for the Patriots, I put Kenyon Barter and Cordell Patterson, and I actually put a little burp. I said, you know what? I have a feeling it actually might be Patterson. As I was doing the pregame show last night, somebody hit me on Twitter and said the same thing. We were talking about, you know, Kenyon Barner's prospects for the game, and, and, uh, and I was expecting a huge James White night. And, uh, and so I said, don't, don't, don't overlook uh, Patterson. He'll play a lot of running back. I'm going, really? Okay. <laughs> um, but anyhow, back to Detroit. I think it's possible that Carrion Johnson could, you know, over time dispose uh, of uh, Theo Riddick. Uh, I don't know if it'll happen quickly. I mean, you know, as going forward, as in next year, right? Uh, you right. know, maybe both Abdullah and, uh, and Riddick are gone next year. I think that's a distinct possibility. This year, though, they're going to remain. And, and you're right, when Riddick is healthy, he gives them a little something. I don't know that Johnson doesn't give them the same kind of thing. And, and maybe they'll see that, but to bank on it is, uh, you know, is this is what my expectation is? No. <laughs> All right. With the same team, Kenny Galladay, is speaking ah! of, go back to John Brown. Is the ride over with him? Ah! Stop. <laughs> now you're hitting close to home. So, I mean, honestly, I, you know, we, we saw Kerryon Johnson come on and <clears throat> have the huge game against Tampa Bay. My feeling is this offense still runs through Matthew Stafford, which my feeling was this offense still is going to be heavy. There's going to be a heavy lean to Kenny Galladay. Just, and, uh, and lo and behold, Marvin Jones is the boss. Now maybe all this changes. We're doing this. We're recording this ahead of the trade deadline. Maybe Golden Tate moves on and, and uh, the, the target shares. We can only hope. Switch out dramatically. But it's been three targets over the last two games for Kenny Galladay. That can't continue. I refuse to believe it will continue. Um, <laughs> and and but is, that's all I got. Right? Existence. It's going that's to all I got. My resistance is all I got on this one. That's this, as good as my analysis gets. That's crazy, man. They got to get him more balls. Uh, so, yeah, and honestly, though, that's my feeling. You, you know, you have a, a player with that kind of athletic ability, that kind of size, that kind of speed. It's hard for me to fathom not using him more. Uh, Marvin Jones somewhere is shaking his fist at me saying, I have that too, but not as much as Kenny Galladay. Uh, so I'd like to see more right now. I'm dialing back, throttling back, you know, expectations. And, you know, you're rolling him out as a, maybe a wide receiver three uh, and, and, and hope that he can rebound and, and, and treat him like that, though. It, it definitely is, has widened the options I'm looking at when I'm setting my lineups. All right. Well, here's the last question for you. It's just kind of another sidebar-ish type of thing. Let's just play what if with the trade deadline, which this part of the show, people, hey, you might be able to just tune out because it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> what if we got Kenny Galladay and Demarius Thomas traded? Would you rather have, or not Kenny Galladay, Golden Tate? So this is kind of like a looking to next year as well. Would you rather have Kenny Galladay or Cortland Sutton if things are cleared up for either one of them? Uh, 
Kenny Galladay has the better quarterback and is in the better offense. I would go that direction, but I do like Cortland Sutton. So on equal playing field, you'd probably take Cortland Sutton. On equal playing field, I might take Cortland Sutton, but only because I talked to him earlier this year and he was a really nice guy. Uh, so yeah, I kind of that's why I kind of have a soft spot for Michael Thomas. Is like, you know, no, he deserves to be in the conversation among <laughs> more, you know, Antonio Brown and all the rest. Not this, despite the play included, but. Bob, tell everybody, you mentioned a couple times, but just make sure. Tell the times. You haven't mentioned that. Tell everybody where they can listen to you, where they can find you, the football diehards, all that type of good stuff. Yeah, you can find me at footballdiehards.com 24-7 all year long. Uh, it's a website. We have information there. It's for fans. It's why we've never met in person is because it we're is. both so ridiculously busy. <laughs> it is true. Uh, you can also hear me. Uh, <clears throat> and also, I do the Football Diehards podcast, as I mentioned with Justin Lanero once a week in Kyle Dvorak. I'm on the SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio Monday through Friday uh, from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time with Mike Dempsey. I'm on Saturday night on SiriusXM NFL Radio from 8 to 11 with Mike Dempsey. I'm on SiriusXM NFL Fantasy, uh, Serious Fantasy, uh, Sunday mornings for the pregame with Jeff Manns. That's 11 to 1. And uh, we do a number of simulcasts, too, during the week on the Fantasy Channel and the NFL Channel. So you might catch us on either or, but you always catch us on the Fantasy Channel every single night from 6 to 8. If you didn't catch that, like Bob Harris is Serious XM Fantasy, basically. Is that, is that, is that the truth? That. Is that? No. <laughs> and I think uh, what next week I'm gonna be, I'll be joining you. Yes, it was supposed to be this week, but you're very popular. No, I just I have my niece and nephew tomorrow night that I'm gonna go out. I always go trick or treating with, so it's kind of scrambled my schedule, which took two or three hours out of it. So you know how that is. You take two or three hours out, there's nothing. It doesn't left. go away, right? <laughs> Got to find it somewhere else. I hear you. And I want to make sure I set a, you know, a good 40 minutes for you, as you did for me, which I really appreciate. So make sure you go and listen to him. Go listen to SiriusXM. Follow him at Football Die Hard because he's one of the best. He's always been one of the best. I really appreciate it, Bob. Thank you, Jake. I appreciate you having me. Once again, that was Bob Harris, Football Die Hard. Follow him there on Twitter at Football Die Hards is the company. He's great. You can find him everywhere. He's always around. He's always talking. He's always on the radio. And you can see why because he's one of the best. He's been around for a good long time. One of the godfathers of this business. Great mind, great insight. So follow him. Make sure, as I said, check the link. Go to theathletic.com front slash all in sports. Get the discount. Uh, what else? You know, five stars, all that type of stuff. Get in the contest so you can get the helmet. And the, the shirts are out. So let me know if you want one. And I will be back tomorrow, being Wednesday. That is the Patreon. Joe Pizapia, myself, and Chris Meany. Thursday, I'll be back with special guests of All in Sports for this on iTunes and everywhere you can find the podcast. And uh, I think that's about it. So I'll talk to you later. Have a good one.